And honestly, there's no better way to wash down an enrobed donut than with liquid death sold by a porn star. Kirby, let me tell you how it will be. It's one for you, 19 for me, said the tax man as we approach IRS filing day on Monday. But before we get to that, it's episode number 93 of the Promo Upfront podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Bill Petrie. With me as always, the director of donuts himself, the good time player man, Kirby Hossman. Kirby, how the promo AF are you? Doing well, stretching out. Um, actually, uh, as we record this, uh, this weekend I'm getting ready to do a half marathon. I'd always said that if we did, it, if there was a half marathon organized in Coshocton, that I would do it. Uh, someone called my bluff on that, and so it's actually Saturday. So I'm I'm excited to uh, get out and do that, and hopefully the weather, per, you know, kind of. Uh, goes along with with the event and and we you know it's going to raise a bunch of money and so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. How about awesome. you, bud? Awesome. I just, uh, boy, are my arms tired. I just flew in last night. Had a, uh, As I shared on social media, I spent more time on flight delays than actual flight time for a combined quick trip to Dallas for a client visit. But you know what? It's okay. Uh, you know, things happen. Uh, but I, you know, I thought about recording this podcast. It gave me about, you know, a tremendous amount of joy, Kirby. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why it's not talking to you. That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> what it has to do with is I was thinking, you know, we've all, as I was sitting in the airport, and I believe me, I sat in the airport <laughs> a lot. I yeah. was thinking, you know, this could be worse. I could be at a youth baseball game sitting in one of those flimsy, horrible, folding, wafer-thin camp chairs that you feel like are going to fall apart by the end of the ball game, right. maybe even the seventh inning, right? We've all been there. Well, and then I thought, you know, because we have such good pals over at Brentwood Line, I would never have to worry about that. I would never have to worry about that at all, Kirby, because their camp chair is amazing. They specialize in creating not only the comfortable, and man, I got to tell you, my big butt, they're comfortable. Those are super big, comfortable camp chairs, but they're solid and they last for seasons, not just a few innings, right? Mm, yeah. And uh, Kirby, yeah, I know you love the camp chair from our good pals over at Brentwood Line. Yeah, actually, it's funny. We, um, I, you know, been in this industry for a long time. And so um, had the opportunity to sell different chairs throughout the industry. And once I ran into the Brentwood and the Biggin, which is one of their uh, populars, you know, it's one of those where you get what you pay for. They have a really, really quality chair. And at the end of the day, that means a longer lasting imprint, more value to your, your customer. And obviously the end user is going to think better of the brand that gave it to them. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. 100% you said the right word value. You might might spend a little bit more. Maybe you don't because they're super competitive on the yeah. pricing, but the value your end user client's going to get is amazing because their product line starts at a 350 pound tag rating and they offer an array of widths, styles, and colors. We talked about the big one, uh, all that with the amazing comfort and sturdiness that we spoke about earlier. To see the full line of Brentwood merchandise, their coolers, their blankets, their camo, head over to brentwoodline.com. Better products, better service, 
How many headaches, Kirby? Zero. Zero. That's right. Brentwood Line. Brentwoodline.com. All right, Kirby, you have the upfront section of the podcast, which we actually talk about, but we generally ignore. But I believe you have a promo topic this week for us. <laughs> I do. So we are we are giddy with anticipation. Yeah, absolutely. So um, back at the uh, expo, the uh, January event, uh, PPAI announced that they were creating the promotional products work expo. Um, and essentially, they announced it that there would be a major end user buying facing mm-hmm. event. Um, and these mm-hmm. virtual shows were, are going to be designed to reflect PPAI's newly announced mission state statement, be the voice and force to advance promotional marketplace for the benefit of our community. Um, mm-hmm. So that's coming up. Uh, I believe it's in May, on May 18th. They're going to kick it off. Okay. Um, I, I'm not going to dig into the minutia. I just want to kind of bring this up as yeah. a topic. Um, I have thoughts about this. This is one of those moments where I've thought about it and if so if you want me yeah. to go first i can but a what do you think of the concept of doing this and can it be a success uh yeah um i have uh, it i think it's a great idea we talked about it when it was discussed at expo and anytime you are affecting change into something that's been so traditionally uh, exclusive exclusionary to yeah. end users there's always been um Company end user shows. I know Halo has several of them across the country that are extremely uh, successful for them. Mm-hmm. But as an industry whole, the governing bodies general or the, you know, of, of PPI has really eschewed having end users on the show floor. Um, I think it's a great idea. I will have to say, though, I'll be honest with you. We talked about it. I thought it was happening in February. I, I, I hadn't heard anything about it. It seemed I, like disappear into the ether. Um, so I'm glad it is happening. So maybe that was a misunderstanding on my part. Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll own that. Uh, maybe it was poor communication on PPA's part. I don't know. So I'll be honest with you. Cause like we talked about it and I thought it was like the following month and like poof gone. Yeah. I know it's going to make some people upset that, oh my gosh, we're, we're letting, you know, the horse out of the barn and now end users are going to start going direct to suppliers. And that is the dumbest thing people can think about at this point in time. This is actually expanding the world of promotional products and showing value in ways a distributor would might struggle with in terms of, of product course. knowledge, in terms of usage, things like that. So the same people who might be upset about PPAI holding an end user show, which I do believe will be successful, and I'm glad they're doing it. Uh, and that's I know I think it's virtual, correct? Yes, virtual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think it's wonderful. These are the same people, though, who are, who were upset when they started seeing four imprint ads on television because they felt it was a threat to their business, where I think both you and I felt um, they're actually expanding the, the reach of a promotional product. So yeah. that's those are my thoughts, Kirby. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. And, and I think in the interest of transparency uh, for the sake of this discussion, I've been doing an end user show for our clients for, oh. gosh, probably 15 years. Um, and shame on me. I am so sorry. You have been. And that's a wonderful example. Yeah. And I, but I say that not to, to pat myself on the back, but the idea that I always have thought it was a good idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I've never understood. And to be fair, like also to give credit, OPA, um, the, the board I'm on does an end user show where people can bring people as well. So I think it's a really interesting idea. I have a, so I have a couple of thoughts about this. I have a really interesting idea. I absolutely, absolutely love when PPAI is... Uh, being a force for good for our industry, as they're, they're saying. And that's, should be, that's their mission and charter. Right. 
Absolutely. And so I love that. And I think I remember we talked, gosh, it's been years ago when they went to, to advertising week uh, in the fall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how in the hell have we not been doing that before? So I'm right. exciting when they're, pu- I'm excited when they push that. Um, I, you know, I, you and I have also said, or at least I've said, certainly I struggle with virtual events. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder about the level of effectiveness that that's going to have. That being mm-hmm. said, more people will be able to access it. So it may, you know, that may be a balance. Um, but I think my takeaway is the event's success is going to depend on us. It's going, mm-hmm. PPAI can lead us to water. We, they can't make us drink. And I think that right. specifically distributors, absolutely, if, if we want this to work, distributors have to own it. We have to promote it. We have to bring our people. Mm-hmm. And then we have to follow up from it because it's, this is a different thing than the trade show where we grab a couple of catalogs, go back to our office and do our thing. Mm-hmm. There has to be built-in marketing automation where we have to follow up. We have to, like, this is going to be more, we have to actually do the work this time, right? And so I think for the event to succeed, we have to make it succeed. We have to work partnership with PPAI. Here's where I, I agree with everything you said. Here's one thing where I would also add, though I think, agreed, virtual events, I think we're all over the virtual event and sitting in our chairs and, and we, it's, it feels just it's not as engaging. It's just not, no matter what you do, it's not. Yep. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do. It's not as engaging. Yep. However, I see this virtual end user show as a test balloon, right? Mm, yeah. And I think the only way nationally it can be done is by is virtual. And I think they're Agreed. going to see my guess. And I have had no conversations with Dale Denham or anybody at PPAI. My guess is if they deem this a success, whatever mm-hmm. that means, whatever their metric is for success, if they deem it a success, I think you'll see an end user show attached a day attached to PPI Expo in years to follow. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking might happen. Um, and this is an idea that's not brand new. Like you said, OPA's been doing it for years. PPAMS here in, in Middle Tennessee has been doing it for years. Halo's been doing it for 15, 20 years. You've been doing it on your own for 15 years. So it's kind of like, it's about damn time, right? <laughs> but I, I know the concern. I always, I know the concern is backlash. I mean, when, when you're the industry association, you have a, a, a constituency of 25,000 people or members or whatever the number, membership number is, you face backlash, but nothing, you don't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. Right. Time to crack some end user eggs, baby. <laughs> Yeah. I, and again, I want to say out loud, just kudos for PPAI because I know there will oh, be backlash. And so being willing to put yourself out there, kudos to Dale and the whole team. So I, I think it's a cool thing. Now we just need to help them. We have to support it. If you think yeah. it's a good idea, support it. If you think yep. it's a bad idea, then don't, that's fine. Yep. But if you think it's a good idea and don't support it, don't complain if they don't uh, continue with it. All right, right, Kirby, great topic to lead us off. Um, Kirby, um, I know you said you're running a half marathon on Saturday. Good for you. Kudos. I want to tip my virtual cap to you. Um, and I know you've been training hard. So I want to talk about Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of this, but Krispy Kreme is, this is going to be a new weekly topic. And by weekly topic, I'm going to make up a new weekly topic every week that we won't do ever again. So today's weekly topic that we're going to do every week, but never do it again is smart marketing. So today's smart marketing is Krispy Kreme has pegged their donut prices for the next month um, to a gallon of gas. So what they're trying to do is take the edge and sting off of higher gas prices. Have you seen this? 
No, no, this is brand new. Okay. So they're taking the edge and sting off of higher gas prices by lowering donut prices. So every Wednesday from April 13th, so a couple of days ago when this drops, through March 4th, Krispy Kreme will sell a dozen original glazed donuts for the price of a gallon of regular gas. And what they're going to do is look at the national average for a gallon of gas on Monday, and they will set the price for Wednesday. So this past week, it was $4.11 for a dozen donuts, where it's usually 10 bucks. Wow. And I thought, smart marketing. Yeah. But then I thought, man, what, well then what I loved about it, I think the smartest thing about this, and I want to get your opinion on this. Obviously, the concern is, well, what if all of a sudden the war in Ukraine is over, gas prices plummet? Is that going to just slaughter them financially? Well, they've actually thought about that. If gas prices plummet, they picked the original glazed donuts because it's the easiest donut for them to make. It's the most efficient donut for them to make. It's literally just dough runs through the the uh, the uh, glazing in rover, which, man, that is so awesome. I love me the glazing in rover. Um, where it's just, <laughs> oh, behave, Kobe. Um, so it's easy for them to make. So if it plummets, if it plummets, uh, they won't lose their collective shirt. Well, smart marketing, in my opinion, a, yep. a short little run, three week run. What do you think about that, Kirby? I, I actually love it. It's topical, right? Like I think that any time that you can tie a promotion like this, where you can, uh, again, this is something that people do on social media all the time, but this is where you're literally putting your right. money where your mouth is. Um, and honestly, if it's three weeks, they're not going to lose their shirt because a it's, it's not going to drop that much in that amount of time. We, we should only, no, and it's just a one day hope. thing. It's every Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. We should only hope that it will drop that much. Um, so yeah, I think it's really fun and, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I dig it. I, and maybe after, after I get done with the running, I can have a donut. That's, that's probably okay. Maybe so. And, and if you do go get a donut, go to an actual physical Krispy Kreme store and check out that glazing and rubber Kirby. <laughs> All right, Kirby you got another topic for us. Uh, I don't even know where a Krispy Kreme store is around here. I really don't. Um, so yeah. I really it, do live in middle Ohio. <laughs> I do. Okay. So because you brought up this topic, I'm going to bring up my topic, which, because okay. you talked about, what, what, what did you call it? The, the topic that we'll never do again, but we're doing every week. Oh yeah. Smart marketing. The smart marketing topic of the week is. Okay. Smart marketing topic of the week. Number two, liquid. See, we didn't even plan it. Yeah. It's called simpatico. Simpatico. <laughs> liquid death. Uh, recruits yes. porn stars for a sustainability-themed campaign. So, Liquid Death. Are you familiar with Liquid Death? Yeah, it's the uh, canned sparkling water, I believe, from some Nordic country. Yeah, well, and I, I don't know all the background. I think it's maybe it's. I think it's just water, but mountain water. Yeah, no. So I say, I think it's sparkling water, though. I think there's a little fizzy fizz to it. Maybe I don't know. Never had Doesn't it, matter. but I, I'm familiar. It's canned and I, water. Yeah, it's canned water, and I really like their branding. Um, so mm -hmm. they have partnered, and it. <laughs> uh, watched the ad this morning because Ad Week. This is in one of those emails I get, and it talked about. Yeah. Uh, despite the sexual innuendo and sight gags, it's safe for work. Okay, so she, okay. Uh, the 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 porn star I don't remember her name came on and said that she's the internet stepmom and uh, talked about why she likes liquid death because plastic is bad for the the, the planet and uh, the campaign's theme is don't f the planet. It okay. was really fun, really cheeky, and totally worth watching. Um, 
Mm -hmm. I think it's one of those where if I was to ask a question, the question would be, is it a good idea for to partner things that might be not safe for work with a purpose? Clearly the sustainability mission around that. A, is that a good idea? But mainly, I just wanted to tell people to go check out the ad. It's really good. Uh, to answer your, your question, yeah, I, here's the thing. We're talking about it. Right? That's the goal. I wasn't going to talk about, you know, uh, uh, Liquid Death, which is a funny brand. And I've had the water. It's, it's water. Yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, they, it's a, the can is cool. And it looks like a beer can or an energy drink can. Energy drink, yeah. Um, so I don't think it's bad. I think, you know, I, I, here's what I think about it. I think it's always good as long as you don't cross that line where everybody thinks you've crossed a line. If a few right. people think you've crossed the line, I think that's okay. People are talking about it. And honestly, there's no better way to wash down an enrobed donut than with liquid death sold by a porn star. Thanks for doing that. For All right, Kirby. Open. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. All right, Kirby. Here's a, a quick serious topic. And I think it's, it's something I found on the PPAI website. Uh, from our, our friend, uh, uh, Johnny Offing. Uh, he had interviewed some people, uh, they, two people had wrote a book about um, uh, recruiting for sales, right? And it's I'm, something that is a huge topic in our industry. Almost every large distributorship, your Halos, your Geigers, I mean, that is a large portion of their, their growth strategy is to recruit salespeople, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a new book from Michelle Richardson, Rush Share, and it's called, Agile and resilient sales leadership for the new normal. So these are two folks from a company called the Brooks Group, which is sales uh, training and consultancy. Um, but they, what they talked about is what is the biggest recruiting mistake when hiring salespeople? Okay. Do you have any guesses? And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Do you have any guesses? And it's okay if you don't, because the only mistakes. thing that, yeah, I, I was going to say, the only thing that pops into my mind is, is over-promising. Uh, that's the first thing okay. that I would say. Uh, that's, and I think that's a good one. I think that's a great one. They identified the biggest mistake is hiring based on industry knowledge and experience. Mm. And I think, and, and so what, what that, and mainly how that, how does that manifest itself? You hire from your competitors. Yeah. So when I read this, I kept thinking, cause you know, in previous life, that was my job at Halo. I was, right. a rec- I was a recruiter. I recruited salespeople to come join Halo. Um, what they feel is that what this does, it recycles a lot of mediocre salespeople. And I wanted to get your opinion on that. I'm happy to share my opinion on that, mm. but I'm willing, you know, please, if you'd like to jump in. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I think it, when, when you said it, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably, it, it, it's both. And I think it's one of the number one issues with our industry. Okay, so I actually agree wholeheartedly with that being a challenge. That being said, it's really easy to say, right? But if you want to affect your numbers and if you want to affect your bottom line and lickety split, bringing in somebody with a base of business, like I can stand here and like, 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 let me just say, I can stand here and be like, hey, I agree wholeheartedly. I haven't brought in anybody from the, with industry knowledge because I want to bring people in and train them. But it could also be argued that no one who was good would want to come work for me either. Right? Like it's like well, you, you see what I'm, but, but you see what I'm saying. Like it's yeah. like yeah, you can say you've made a choice, and I've tried to. But the reality of it is, if a really awesome salesperson from another organization talked to me, I, I'd be like, well, maybe. So I actually think 
that it is accurate. And I think as an industry, we need to do a much better job of creating a, yeah. a funnel for bringing new blood into the industry. But I don't think that I don't think that the big boys are going to change their strategy tomorrow because the, this book said so. And I agreed. I, I agree with your agreeance and multiply it by a factor of, of 10 billion. Um, I hate, loathe, detest the way we bitch about how our industry is aging. The median age is aging, but yet we do nothing about it. Nobody. I understand a company like a Haasman Marketing where it's it's more cost-effective, frankly, for you to bring in someone without it with, with, uh, in with industry experience, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. It is more cost effective for the halos of the world to bring in yeah. somebody, and it's more cost effective for anybody to bring in somebody with a book of business or somebody who at least understands the industry. Yep. But you're missing the point. You're missing the point entirely. You're not expanding the talent pool. We are recycling the same people over and over again. And that's not bad for everybody, but it's not good for everybody either. And the real issue I have with this, Kirby, um, is we focus on things, we focus on hiring for things that we can teach, right? We don't focus on hiring for care, for compassion, for drive, for burning determination, for hustle. We don't hire for those things. Do you understand industry pricing codes? <laughs> Have you sold promotional products before? The big guys, I think it's time for them. And I think they would actually reap the benefits of this. I thought this for years. Start intentionally recruiting outside the industry. Young kids, invest in people as they get out of college, as they get out of high school, whatever. Mm. It doesn't really matter. Make that investment. Of course, if someone comes and talks to you and says, I've got a $240,000 book of business and I'd love to come work for you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like... You would take an order if someone said, Kirby, I'd like to have order you know, 8,000 t-shirts from you today. And you've never talked to him before, right? Of course, you're going to take that order. But we're not intentional about it. right? And so I, I think the reason we are an industry so reluctant to change is because of these hiring practices. Yeah. Well, it, well you know what? I, you were talking about this book. It, this discussion reminds me from an industry perspective about the book Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Um, yep. so are you familiar with that, uh, a little bit, yep. a little bit. So, but for the purpose of the audience is essentially he's written a book and he talks about that. There's two types of games. There's finite games and there's infinite games. Finite game is there's a set number of players, set rules. There's a beginning, right. middle and end, and there's a winner and a loser. And then infinite games are ones that you don't know how many people are playing. You've not got an agreed set of rules that there's not a beginning, middle, and end, and there's not winner and loser. And the, the way you get in trouble is that you try to play an infinite game with, right. with finite game rules. And business is an yep. infinite game, right? 100%. And what hire, re recycling the hiring process is a finite game move because they're trying to get a it quick is. win as opposed to thinking about it right. as a long-term play. And I, to me, I think that that's part of the challenge. And, and again, to, to like, I'm taking shots at bigger things. They're, they're profitable. They're doing yeah. well, good for them. But I do agree yeah. that if we're looking at this from an industry perspective, bringing in young new talent and figuring out a way to do it in an efficient way is, yeah. and, and again, it's part of the diversity conversation too. Right. Because it is. we can start being intentional about who we bring into the industry as well. Right. And I'm about to share a blog on that on Promo Kitchen about diversity, but that's a nice discussion, but I'm glad you tied it to it. 
But here's what I'll tell you too, Kirby. It is good for the companies. It's not just good for the industry. The reason that people don't sell more is because they do the same things they've always done. Mm. We're not learning from the bottom up. We yeah. don't learn new things. We don't, we don't pay attention to what millennials are doing. Screw that. How about Gen Z? They're getting mm. in the workplace now. Totally. How are they going to market? How are they selling to their peers? How can we as, as 50-year-old men, or and you're almost 50 or close, you're approaching it, how do we adapt some of their learnings to our audience? There's so much learning up and down that whole generation scale. And you miss out on that because we're doing that recycle. Yeah. It's, it would be good for organizations. You want sales growth, you want organic sales growth, which is a lot easier because I will tell you as a recruiter, one of the most difficult things is everybody's fishing in the same pond for the totally. same people. Totally. And, and, everybody, and everybody has the same value proposition. Come over here, you're going to earn more and work less. Yep. I don't care how it's couched. <laughs> every single large distributor, that's their main, uh, their main pitch. Uh, sales. Yeah, their main pitch. Thank you. So- you're fishing in the same pond, you're getting the same people. And here's the worst part of it. That is a pressure cooker of a job. Because I'll tell you, you got a number attached to you every year as a recruiter. And you're on the hook for if Kirby Hossman joins uh, brand X, and you say I do a million dollars a year, I'm on the hook for that. And at the end of the year, let's say you were full of it. Let's say some of your clients didn't want to go with you, which rarely is the case. Or let's just say it's been an off year and you only sell 500,000. I now have to answer to the fact that you sold half of what you told me you'd sell. It's a pressure cooker of a job. It's, a, it's the most difficult job in this industry is recruiting. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. So I really would like to see larger companies shift at least a portion of that strategy to let's find new people. Let's invest in people as opposed to just taking the quick buck, please. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. I, I agree a thousand percent. I think I think and I think I'll be honest with you. I think it could become a real differentiator for uh, someone who'd be willing to invest. It would be a huge differentiator. I mean, yeah. no one graduates college thinking I want to go work in the promotional products industry unless their parents work in the promotional products industry, because this industry has not been intentional, both at the grand level in terms of the association, nor at the corporate level in terms of the larger companies focusing on recent college graduates to influx some talent, some energy, and some youth into this industry. I'm Bill Petrie, and I approve that message. I was about to say preach, brother Bill. I uh, love it. All right, man. So right. do we have time for a quick, uh, quick, we quick do. game? That's all right. Little, so little, little party in the back we're going to do for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we haven't been doing a lot of this, but um, I, I actually thought about it this morning based on our conversation last week about the idea of the record player and why uh, vinyl can be really cool. Well, again, you're very passionate about the music. And so I, I thought I've, I've got like four or five albums now that I've, that yeah. I've purchased, but if I wanted to have the quintessential vinyl collection, yep. I would like you to tell me which band I should buy okay. an album from, and I'll give you okay. an either or. Okay. All okay. Right. Do you, real quick before you do this, yeah. do you have any Caribbean death metal in your collection? Uh, let me check the list. No, I do not. Sorry. Okay, good. Doesn't exist, but maybe that's a cool genre for you. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Kirby. Fire away. All right, here we go. So if I were to start the quintessential vinyl collection, would mm -hmm. I get an album from Metallica or Guns N' Roses? I'm going to say Metallica, um, just for the soul. I, I do like both bands quite a bit. The reason I would pick Metallica 
is that that is a legendary long-term band. Guns N' Roses, really a five-year period of greatness and then just, you know, imploded. Uh, and sure. I, do, you, I need, do you want me to give you the album too? Sure. Yeah, if you want. Uh, a Master of Puppets by Ooh, that's Metallica. That's a good one. I like it. Okay, cool. I wasn't going to master, 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 master of puppets. You're pulling my strings. Yeah. Um, so I would say, uh, that's a good one. I like it. Okay. Um, okay, thank you. Next up Elton John or Billy Joel. Ooh, that's a tough one. Cause again, I, I, I love both. Yep. Um, I am going to say, I'm going to go with Billy Joel here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love both so much. That's a tough one, but these I, are all going to be tough. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you don't have Piano Man in your collection, the album Piano Man, um, and I'm going to just for the for the sake of this discussion, I'm avoiding greatest hits. It would be very easy okay. to pick a greatest hits for these bands. I think it's more fun if you pick a quintessential album. So actually, for Billy Joel, Glass Houses. Glass Houses, Glass Houses is good. Okay. Yep. Shania Twain or Faith Hill? So ACDC has a ton of great records. Um, <laughs> nope. Nope. Actually, yes. It's a tie-in. Um, uh, okay, fine. No, it's fine. Uh, I guess I go Shania Twain. Okay, cool. Uh, I guess. Okay. And whatever album she's had That's would fine. be good. Okay, well, moving on. Kenny Chesney, <laughs> Kenny Chesney or Jimmy Buffett? Uh, Jimmy Buffett. I think I think you have to go Jimmy Buffett here. Um, I would avoid any live album of Jimmy Jimmy Buffett because, and I love live music. I and I love buying records of live music. I find, for whatever reason, like for example, there's some artists I prefer their live versions. Mm-hmm. I can't. I love John Denver. I cannot stand studio John Denver. He's perfect live. Him and a guitar. It's beautiful. Jimmy Buffett's the opposite. It's a sloppy mess. I think when you're there at the concert, it's amazing. But because you're also a sloppy mess. Well, uh, <laughs> okay. What's your point? So because um, that's why so I, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, Jimmy Buffett for days. Love. And what is what's one of his quintessential? Pirate looks at forty. Or is that uh, a book? Pirate looks at forty is, is a book. book. Uh, but I think changes in latitudes. Uh, let's go. Changes, uh, there you go. Change in latitudes. I know uh, we're going long. Sorry. No, it's no problem. Michael Jackson or Prince? Oh, Prince. That's not even a discussion. Um, okay. Not because, you know, Michael Jackson's great in, in musically. You know, we're not going to talk about the Me Too stuff. Um, but I, I think for me, it would be Prince. And I can't, you can't go wrong with, I would go 1999 because it's a double album and you get some really cool things funky funky stuff on 1999 i love purple rain rain mm-hmm. great great album but 1999 love it i think thriller's pretty good too but i'm, I'm with you i like mm-hmm. um uh so you, i didn't pick i could have picked thriller because beat it again that's one of my favorite songs because eddie van halen plays a guitar solo but now i think prince 1999 i'd go with okay cool uh garth brooks or blake shelton uh, garth brooks no fences that's correct uh <laughs> eagles or beetles beetles um both are great both are great but um to me i would get ooh, i would either get abbey road or i'd get sergeant peppers or i'd get um uh rubber soul or, <laughs> or yeah. no i think honestly for the beatles um if you're starting a collection and you don't have any Beatles, 
I think you can't go wrong with Sergeant Peppers. I think Sergeant Peppers Only Hearts Club Band, such a great, and it's such a wonderfully presented package for an album, which I love that stuff. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. All done on a four track too. Okay, um, yep. uh, Madonna or Britney Spears? <clears throat> Madonna. I think you got to go Madonna here. Yeah. And uh, I think you got to go with the Like a Virgin uh, album. Yeah, that's a really good one, actually. Yep. Okay, final one. Okay, here it is. It's going to be Van Halen or? Van Halen or Van uh-huh. Hagar. Uh, actually, there's no such band called Van Hagar. <laughs> so I'm going to give you two albums for Van Halen. One from each era, Kirby. Got to go Van Halen. Um, I would go Fair Warning for classic David Lee Roth Van Halen. It's my favorite Van Halen album of all. There's a very angry undertone to uh, Ed's guitar playing and the creative friction of the brand, band was at its peak. So I would go with uh, Fair Warning with the Sammy era of the band. Um, I think I'd go with the, um, uh, probably people, a lot of people disagree with me, but the Balance album, the last studio album with uh, Sammy Hagar. Again, that, that creative friction in the, brand, in the band really, really lends itself to uh, so such creativity, such music, cre- musical creativity. I, I, that was Van Hagar, that era at their peak. So uh, Bounce and uh, Fair Warning. But Kirby, I want to give you another Fair Warning. Thank you for the game. I love the game. But Fair Warning, Kirby, if you buy flimsy chairs, don't get upset because you fell on your bootay. Okay? That's why... You should go to our pals over at Brentwood Line. They build amazing camp chairs. They're sturdy. They're not going to last for one record spin. You can get a double album, flip that sucker both sides, play it three times before your butt even gets tired. It's not even going to think about breaking, okay? They start at a 350-pound tag rating, and they offer an array of colors, sizes, and, and widths. It's amazing what they have, truly. Yeah, you, best really camp nice. chair in the industry. Yeah, they really, really are. Best camp chair in the industry, bar none. So you want to go see these camp chairs Kirby and I are waxing so poetic about? And gosh darn it, why wouldn't you? I got to tell you. Head over to Brentwoodline.com. You can see their amazing camp chairs, their blankets, their coolers, their camel. Great products. Great people. Matt O'Dell, one of the greatest guys in the industry. If you don't know him, he's a tremendous human being. Great golfer. Um, But anyway, better products, better service, zero headaches, Brentwood Line. And I would like everybody to remember, Sugar and Rober. Stop.